And Elisha prayed, open, the eye, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Lord, I just thank you that this moment in time, you are the same God then as you are now, as you will be forever. And Lord, I just pray you'd open the eyes of our heart, open up our vision, Lord, to see what you're doing in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. You want to take a seat? Just a quick context here with this passage. I'm not sort of unpacking this today. I just want to make a, a small point, and we're going to kind of get into this message today. Um, but the context here is, if you're not familiar with the story, is that the enemies are coming against Elisha, the prophet, and he's at, at a town, he's, and, and what happens is the next morning, his servant there gets up early in the morning, looks out and sees all these chariots and all these horses everywhere, and he, he kind of freaks out a bit, and he kind of says to Elisha, look at this kind of thing, and Elisha just encourages, do not be afraid, you know, and then he says this in verse 17, and Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And I, I, this just spoke to me as, a, as I was preparing this message because I just felt like this is so true of our reality. Like, we can be just like that servant, just looking at the natural, right? We just get up and we see what's in front of us. But we're not seeing the greater reality. And that's why Elisha's praying, because he can see it. He's someone who sees the greater reality. And he's like, Lord, would you open the eyes of my servant so that he can see what I see? And when he does, he sees these, you know, you know, all these horses and chariots of fire. He sees this great army, just this incredible thing. And, and he obviously he would have been blown away. And and I just thought man, that's cool. Like, I just think we often so live in this reality that we just think this is all there is sometimes, eh? And we forget that there is an ultimate reality that underpins and is around our reality, which is, which is God, which is the heavenly realm, which is that this massive reality that, that's all around us. And I I just kind of think, like, for a moment, if we could be like that servant, imagine that. Imagine that this morning, that our eyes would just open, even just here, here at Kōrimaku, here this morning on Sunday the 25th of November, if our eyes could open like that and see what God is doing in and around us right now, I bet it would just blow our minds, right? Like, I bet there are angels here this morning. I bet there's stuff going on in God's realm and reality around us that would just absolutely blow our minds. And we'd just be like, oh, that's happening here at church on Sunday morning? I thought we were just singing songs and taking communion and listening to Nick prattle on. That's going on in our midst this morning. That is the ultimate reality. Imagine if you saw that as you went home today in the car. You saw that heavenly reality going on all around you when you went back to your home. Imagine that at work tomorrow morning at that boring staff meeting. 
the kingdom of God breaking through, and you're seeing that all around as they're talking about someone didn't put the, the mugs away in the dishwasher or, <laughs> or there's not enough, someone didn't replace the toilet roll, you know, whatever massive agenda item is for Monday morning. And the kingdom of God, his reality is there. And you see, that's what Jesus proclaimed when he came. He, he proclaimed the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is that reality. It's that ultimate reality. And I, I love this expression, the order of heaven. Like, what is heaven like? And uh, I heard this person say, like, in the order of heaven, is there, is there any sickness there? No. There's no sickness in the, in the heavenly realm and in, in God's reality. Is there any demonic oppression in that reality, in that order? No. There's not at all. Is there any poverty in that reality? No. God's got plenty of resources and money and things that we need. And so when we are, as Christians, partnering with God, we're partnering with God to bring that order into our reality. The signs of the kingdom are bringing real reality into this reality to make it real, as it will be one day. The marriage of heaven and earth, this will be that ultimate reality. It's not quite yet, but there are times where heaven breaks through. And there is a sense, I think, as, as, as a church and as, as Christians, we need to open our eyes to see what God is doing in and around us, right? Awesome. So we have a vision as a church, um, a whānau wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus and each other, actively participating in the kingdom of God, spreading in the Manawatu and beyond. I'm just going to unpack that a little bit. Afano, wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus. We're, we're a family who gather around Jesus at the center of our lives. It's all about Jesus. He is the head of this church. We are gathered in his name here today and wherever we gather in our homes and places. We gather around Jesus. He is the center of everything. And we're people who are wholeheartedly going after Jesus as a church. Like we love his presence. We love being with him. We want to be transformed by his presence and his power. And uh, this kind of comes from this, uh, Jesus is central to everything we do. Jesus' greatest commandment, uh, Matthew, Matthew 22, 37 to 40, um, Jesus said to you know, the people around him, said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and all your mind. And all the Jewish listeners would have been, yeah, yeah, we, we could get that. That's the Shema. It's from Deuteronomy. Yep. Bang on. You know, that's, the, that's, the, that's awesome. Let's do that. And then he like, brings this other one from Leviticus together, and love your neighbor as yourself. And it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful way that Jesus brings those two things together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Like, as a community, as a church, as followers of Jesus, we want to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, everything within us. We want to go after Jesus. And like I said, and each other. As Jesus added that, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and throughout the New Testament, there's this, this reference, one another, all these like commandments to love and you know care for one another over and over and over again. This is the community that we want to be. 
a Fano that loves one another and cares for each other. One of the primary ways that early uh, Christians um, spoke about each other and related to each other was as brothers and sisters. If you read through the letters, they talk about brothers and sisters. Like this is this family, this Fano kind of way of, of, of doing life and doing church together. And that is at, at the heart of what we're doing here. And we want to be people who are actively participating in the kingdom of God, spreading in the Manawatu, here in Palmy, and beyond throughout Aotearoa and wherever God takes us. Um, you know, this is, as, as Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God, um, when he taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer, he said, you know, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there is an implication in, in the way Jesus says that, that his kingdom has come, but not in its fullness. Otherwise, Jesus would have said, your kingdom has come, your will has been done on earth as it is in heaven, job's done, mic drop, I'm out of here. <laughs> there is an implication there that it hasn't come in its fullness, and we know that's right, isn't it? Like, there's still brokenness, there's still sin, there's still disease, there's still uh, evil in our world. But we know that the kingdom has been inaugurated by Jesus, we're celebrating that at Christmas, and we know that it will be fulfilled in the fullness of time at the end when Jesus returns. And so we want to be people who are actively participating with that reality. So we're kind of grabbing hold of that prayer and saying, yes, Lord, let your kingdom come in Palmy as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come in Kurimakal as it is in heaven. Let your rule and reign be a part of our reality. We, we want to participate with that. So often with God, we, we just leave it sort of all up to him, or we all try and do it all ourselves. But we're actually working in partnership with God. We want to see what he's doing as we open our eyes, and then we want to participate with that. As Mark Sayers says, we want to build the kingdom the king's way. Uh, too, too often in churches, we build it our way, Right? <laughs> And it doesn't always work out that great. <laughs> but it's so much better when you build it the king's way, when you participate with heaven and what God is doing. That's where you see the life. That's where you see the growth. And I guess, as a people, we don't just do this to be a club. Um, I, I love this church. Like, if I wasn't leading this church, I, I'd, I'd be in it. Like, I'd, be, I'd just be loving it. Like, this is great. <laughs> Go, Amy! <laughs> or whoever else was going to lead it. <laughs> like, I love it. It's great, eh? It's, it's, it's a beautiful family. Like, I, we had a great time at camp. Um, I, I, the worship was amazing this morning. Like, and it, is, it always is. And the prayer and the communion and, and, the, and going into people's homes and doing life. I, I'm like, this is the church I've been looking for all my life. I've just got to lead it. <laughs> and, and the thing is... is, is I think one thing that we can have with that is that we can, we can, you can get to, I think, with church, especially after you've gone for a while, you can get the sense of settling. Uh, I was quite surprised this morning. You know how you like your, on Facebook it pops up these notifications about things like, oh, five years ago this happened or something, you know? And um, this morning there was one that popped up and it was like saying about our, we've got like an internal Facebook group that anyone can, who's part of the church can join. And it popped up and said, oh, this was started five years ago today. 
Um, and that was prior to we, before we had actually formally um, launched. We were, at that stage, I think we were gathering in um, Kaimanawa Street in the hall out the back there. Um, we were a lot smaller than we are today, and it was, we were just gathering. We were just a lot of, a lot of stuff in homes. It was very simple. And I was just thinking, wow, five years. Like, look what you have done, God, in that space. And I think sometimes you can get to this place where you're like, of sense of settling. Um, you know, like when I used to have to do the trailer every week, I used to be like, you know, so I hook, hook that trailer on, and, I, and it'd be like pouring rain in the middle of winter, and I'd be like, man, it's going to be good when I don't have to do this. Oh, that's going to be so good. And, you know, doing the setup and the pack down and all that, and then we've got this building, we've got it all week, and we've got all these things, and I was like, oh, this is good. And then there's like a sense sometimes you can kind of settle, right? Like you can get kind of comfortable. And uh, I, I've been very, um, I found this quote from Robert Mulholland so, so stirring. It says, spiritual formation is the process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. And we've talked a lot about spiritual formation as a church, um, that we don't want to be people who just attend church and go through the motions. We want to be people who grow. We want to be with Jesus, be like him, and do what he did. And to do that, you've got to allow, open up your life to, to do practices and things that are going to shape and form you to become more like Jesus. But one of the problems, um, even with something like spiritual formation, that a lot of people say, is that it can just become another wellness buzz, like you know, mindfulness or yoga or, or something like this, like these, you know, eating mung beans or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> like something, oh, I'm doing this stuff and I'm feeling good. And it does, it does feel good. Like when you spend time with God, it feels good. And you feel like you're making progress in your life and your character's shaping and form. It's wonderful, it's a wonderful thing. But it's all for the sake of others. It's not just so we can feel good. That's an awesome byproduct. It's not just so we're, as a club here, we can be like, oh man, I love this church, it's so great. I just feel good, I feel good, it's great. I love the vibe, it's great. Um, it's actually so that we can, we can be part of what, participating with what God's doing, his plans and purposes for our lives. And, you know, there's a whole lot of people out there that need the presence of God, right? It's uh, William Temple said, the church is the only society that exists for the sake of the members who are not part of it. You know, primarily exists for the sake of those members who are not part of it. Like, we are a people on a mission. We are people moving. And I think, just to keep going back onto that settling um, kind of analogy with uh, camping coming up for a lot of us, I think sometimes we can get into that, like, like camping. Like, this year, thankfully, we're staying in a bunk room, so I don't have to set up the tent, so our, my, my marriage is going to last <laughs> with all the problems of setting up the tents that we've had. But... There's something about camp once you've got it all set up and, you know, stressed and sunburned and all that, and you've got the deck chair out and you've got some nice drink and you've got some nice food in front of you. There's something about, oh, this is nice, this is good. You know, kids are having fun, you're swimming, it's sunny, hope for New Zealand weather hasn't ruined it. Like, there's good stuff going on, you're enjoying it. Um, but it's not reality. Like, there's something beautiful about holidays, but it's not reality, Right? And that's that, that's that terrible depression feeling we feel when you get th down to that last couple of nights. You're like, oh, no, I've only got a couple more nights to go. And you're, you're trying to just string out that joy. And I, I even do this on the way home. I'm like, oh, yeah, we've got to stop for takeaways on the way back. 
We've got to stop for coffee on the way back. We've, got to, we've just got to keep that joy going a little bit more. Not that I'm not joyous about leading this church, but, but the, the thought of going back to work, you know, a responsibility, like, you know, it's, it's like, oh, this is good. But the thing about camping, like I said, it's not reality. And if you camp somewhere, you just take resources you've got in with you, and eventually you're going to deplete them unless you can make it to the supermarket or something. It's, it's not reality. But I think so often in the Christian life, we can, we can, we can, we kind of just get to that place where we're like, oh, let's just settle. This is nice. This is good. This is good. Just, let's just settle here. But God's calling us to more, right? God's always calling us to more. Now, this is not God is calling you to burn your life out. Because I know a lot of churches have made those kind of messages. This is God calling you to do all these you know, heavy, heavy burdens. Like, you know, Jesus' invitation from Matthew 11. You know, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Come and learn from me, and I'll show you how to do life. Like, his burden is light. His yoke is easy. But he calls us to go on a journey. Not to settle. Not to just be comfortable. And I love this uh, Psalm 84. Four, five. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Isn't that beautiful? Blessed are those whose strength is in God and whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Whose hearts are not set on, on finding the comfortable, easy resistance, easy path of resistance kind of stage of life. It's pilgrimage. It's going on a pilgrimage together. And not just on your own. It's with a group of awesome people that you're going to do life with. A traveling band of people that have gone on this crazy journey together to grow deeper in God. And yes, there's going to be stops on the way and rest and refreshment and all sorts of things like that. Campfires or what have you. But we're going to keep going on this pilgrimage. Keep going about everything that God's got for us. Um, unfortunately, I think a lot of us sometimes just live our lives kind of looking at our shoes. I'm guilty of this. Sometimes you just get stuck living in the moment, comfortable or trying to struggle through whatever you're doing, dealing with for that day. Um, a few years back, Amy and I did walk the Abel Tasman together um, down top of the South Island. It's a, it's a beautiful walk. If anyone's done it, it's one of the great walks. And uh, we got to the end of this walk um, and we were just kind of talking about it in the car park near the cafe. And um, I was kind of talking about it like, oh, man, that was amazing. That was cool. Like, every time you went around New Bay, there was like this another panoramic, beautiful vista of this beach and these things that were happening around here. It was so cool. I was so excited. Every time I was going around New Bend, I was like, look at this, Amy. Look at this sort of thing. And talking to the kids. And, and Amy said... Um, it wasn't so enjoyable for her because she was just looking at her feet because she was worried about tripping up over the, um, all the branches and stuff and the rocks. And she said she was like, oh, no, I just, I just want to get to the cafe and get something to eat. This is not enjoyable. <laughs> and the thing I reflected on that, oh, I was keen to get to the cafe and have something to eat as well, always. But the thing I reflected on that was that I had my he head up and I was looking at, maybe I've got better balance than Amy, but I was, I was looking out, and, and I was seeing those beautiful vistas and panoramics, and I was getting this beautiful view, and I was like, oh, look around this corner. What's next? What's happening here? But if I'd just been staring at my feet, looking at the, the branches and the, the rocks and things like that, I, I, it would have just been another bushwalk. 
like just, a, just another walk in the bush, like any other walk. I, I could have missed something there. And I feel like that's what God's calling us to. That's the thing I, as we go on this break over the summer and stuff, is like lift up our eyes. Lift up our eyes and see what God is doing in and through us, in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools. God is moving. He's doing stuff. And why is this so important? It's because we live in the ruins of Christendom. We live in the Western church, which is like, you go to global church around the world, it's going off. Like Christianity as a whole in the world is, is doing amazing. Africa and Asia, Latin America, these sort of places, it's just going off. Like this is where most Christians are in the world by far. The minority in the world is actually the Western church where it used to be. And in most Western churches, it's really struggling. Uh, this is from a Barna study um, in America a few years ago. And they were just interviewing millennials, um, which I just sort of scrape into. My kids are trying to call me a boomer, but I'm a millennial, right? <laughs> I, I'd be a Gen X if I wasn't a millennial, but I'm, I'm definitely a millennial, I think. And uh, it's basically people from about 1980 uh, to something like 2000, I think. And, um, oh, no, sorry, 1980 to 1995, um, they came of age around the millennium. Gen Z's 96 to mid-2000s. Uh, but this is what they found when they interviewed these guys. They said 22% uh, of them are prodigals, ex-Christians. So these people just left the faith. They've grown up in Christian homes, and they've just, they've just walked away. And uh, for a variety of reasons, but they're just not, they're, they're, it's not their faith anymore. Uh, 30% are, are, are nomads or lapsed Christians, so people who would probably say they have a faith in Jesus but don't go to church um, and not part of any kind of like Christian formation or discipleship. 38% are habitual churchgoers. Now, this is, sounds better than it is. Um, these are people who kind of go to church just out of like a cultural reason because mum and dad went or, you know, I go along with someone in my family and it's just a thing to do or something. So a lot of those ones, they believe, have fallen off, especially during the COVID period. They just haven't come back to church because it, it was just a habitual thing. They just went to church because the family did it or something like that. And then they found that 10% are what you would call resilient disciples. Again, this is a misleading uh, title. Um, by resilient disciples, these are people who go to church one in every four. And these are people who believe in the basics of the Christian faith, uh, you know, sort of the basic orthodoxy sort of stuff around life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, like real simple, what John Stock called basic Christians. Like this is thing, and that's, that's, that's the best one, 10% in that age group are resilient disciples. And I think it's, it's probably um, similar, or probably even worse here in New Zealand because we're a more secular country. Um, this is from the Faith and Belief Study done by Wilberforce Foundation. They've just got a new one come out, actually, which I need to read through. But 55% uh, of people in our country do not identify with any religion, any main religion. One in three identify as Christian, compared to 49% of our population in 2006 in the census. And 16% are churchgoers, um, kind of maybe your, you might even have your habitual um, church goes there, and then 9% are active practices, um, you know, basically kind of probably more in that kind of resilient disciples sort of category, or people who are, you know, very devoted to their faith. So, as you can see, like, in the natural, 
it doesn't look good in the church, does it, right? And um, I love this thing from Mark Sayers. He talks about, like, with renewal, he talks about, like, the, the tide goes out. And when the tide goes out, it exposes some things, right? You see all those big rocks and boulders. And if you look at the church in the West and the New Zealand, it's like, oh, the tide's gone out. It doesn't look great. In the natural, things don't look good. And if you're following those statistics, it's like, what's it going to be like in 20 years' time or 30 years' time? It's, it's, it's on its knees, right? But if we've got our kingdom eyes on, and we know through church history that this has happened before, the tide comes back. And it comes back with such a force. It's like a, like a tsunami of his presence coming in and filling up our churches and spaces. God can do this again in our land. And God's heart is to do this. And as a, as a pastor, this is, this is so dear to my heart because these are my kids. I've got kids. I want them to go on with the Lord. I don't want them to leave church and to fall away from the faith. I want them to be passionate, devoted disciples. Now, Amy and I, as parents, we can do our best at home, but we need a family of faith that's going to help our kids. We're going to, we need a family of faith that's going to help our students, our young adults. We need a family of faith that's going to help our families and, and people with marriages and, 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 and older people. Like We're going to need fa- like a family of faith that's going to help people stay in the faith and grow in the faith. So this is, this is that deep why, why we're doing this as a church. Like, we want to be that space that's doing that for people. I believe that's happening in our space. I've, I had, this is probably the greatest compliment I think I've heard for our church. I, I was talking to a guy who doesn't even go to our church, and he said, he said about our church, he knows some people here, and he said, you know what, Nick, he said, if I, if, if I was to come to your church, I think I'd have to grow as a Christian. And I was like, I was like, I was like, wow, like, like, uh, for me, that is like the highest praise or the most wonderful thing I could say, say about our community is that we're deep, that, that there's an expectation here that you're going to grow. Not that we're X amount of numbers or we've got the flashes building or we're doing this and that, like that people know that we're a deep community and that people grow here, people are connected to Fano here that that's what's going on. On Thursday mornings, I gather with a, a group of guys here in our church, and the sole purpose of that meeting is we go around and we share. It's almost like a Christian AA. <laughs> we go around and say, how's your soul? Like, how's your devotional life? And we share honestly. The, the, you know, people share, I haven't picked up my Bible this week. I haven't prayed. I haven't done this. And then other weeks, people say, man, it's been a great week. I've, I've, I've been sitting in the presence of the Lord every morning before I go to work, and it's transforming me. And I've heard people reflect that, they have, that they're not just focusing on the day-to-day change or the week-to-week change. They're actually thinking about the, the changes that have happened in them over time. Like, man, I, I can see how much I've changed in the last six months or year. And I'll, I'm just like, my pastor tanks is like, oh, this is so good. This is so wonderful. Like, yes, yes and amen. This is what we're about. This is what we're going after. So as I sort of come to close this morning, I guess there's, there's five things I'd love you to just have on your heart and commit to if you consider this church your home. And things that you would be praying about, that you'd be stirring in you as you go on this break over summer. The first one 
is the first commitment is live as disciples of Jesus. And I've talked about this before. We want to be people who apprentice under Jesus. We want to spend time with him every day. Let him shape and grow us. Abide in him. We want to learn those beautiful practices of Jesus. And I know many of you guys have been using the practicing the way materials. And, and you notice and even in our home groups that we, we have a focus on discipleship. Um, you know, we live in a day and age where there's so much material and so many resources at our hand. We're drowning in Christian content. But the thing that we desperately need is transformation. We've got more content than, than Christians hundreds and thousands of years ago. No, thousands of years ago. <laughs> hundreds of years ago have, would, would, would have like, dreamt of, like, wow, to have all those Bibles and translations and books and all that material. And yet we, we are not being transformed by all that extra content if we don't put it into practice. And so we invite you guys to, to come as you are to our church, but please let the Holy Spirit take you on a journey to grow. Grow in God. And then we, we invite you to live in community. Um, one of our values is whanaungatanga, um, being family together. This is so important to us as a church. And so we, we believe that this is it's more... It's not less than Sunday, but it's, it's, it's more than, you know, we've got, we've got groups that you can be a part of, home groups, and like I talked about the upper click group, stuff that you can connect into community, you, you can grow, you can have break bread together, have community, and that's where we see the life, we see us growing together as we care for one another, pray for one another, and um, hear each other, what's on each other's hearts. And then we gather on Sundays. Um, this, yeah, we do live in a day and age where people don't sort of go to church every Sunday. And I understand everyone's got busy lives. Um, this is not some sort of you've got to be here every Sunday kind of thing. I understand people have got family in other towns and they've got um, sometimes work or other things that you know, or, or you're sick or whatever. Like that. That's fine. We're not taking a roll check here on Sundays. But what I would encourage you to do is if you haven't got those other things going on, like come to church. Be with the people of God. It says in Hebrews, you know, let us not f- neglect fellowship. And the reason why is because so we can spur each other on. We can encourage each other. This is a spiritual practice, what you're doing today, being here at church. Like, this is important. Like, honestly, like some mornings, you know, I'd probably like to be at the cafe or sleeping in. But, like, I come to church and I'm so encouraged by being with the people of God. I get into that worship, I get into that prayer, I take communion, I get prayed for, I listen to the word of God, I hear what other people are doing and saying, and I'm like, my soul is lifted. This is vital, and more than ever in the age we live in, right? Because so many cultural and distractions out there, they're going to strip us away and, and take us away from God. It's like, get to church, like, this is where life is. Be in a community, like, do this, this is what really transforms us. So I encourage you, be, be here. And all those people are not here today are in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Serve. We're a family, and part of family is just mucking in, right? Uh, everything that happens here at church on Sunday happens because someone's done something. Chairs are being put out, worship gears put out, Johnny's running the AV, um, we've got worship team on this morning, uh, there's coffee and tea, someone did, put, prepared the communion. Someone led, led the communion. Someone did the notices. Someone welcomed you at the door. Someone will do the dishes afterwards. Someone's running the sound. Like, there's someone running the kids' program. Like, there's all these things are just 
people serving, giving of their time to help the family. So I encourage you, um, we've got that notice board at the back there, which has got a whole lot of um, areas you can serve in or you can come ask Amy and I. Um, if you consider yourself part of this family, come in and help, give of your time. Because um, the more we all do together, the less it, it all falls on a few people. And we can actually just muck in together. And I know you guys are amazing at this. Like, like when we went to church camp and, and we're packing up and I'm just like, man, this is so cool. Like everyone's just mucking in and making this like a joy, not a burden. Like that's just so good to see that in family. And lastly, give. The one everyone wants to hear. <laughs> I think that's true of probably pastors and, and congregation is like a secret conspiracy you don't want me to talk about giving, and I don't either. But it is a core part of our discipleship. It's a core part of our lives, full stop. Um, it shapes and forms us in so many ways. And, and Jesus talked about it. Um, the only thing he talked more than finances was the kingdom of God. So he talked about it more than sex and other things. He talked about money because of the power it can have over our lives. So I just wanted to just do give this as an opportunity just to have a bit of an update on the finances. Um, we did this earlier in the year, uh, and we'd been kind of doing some little updates about where the church was at with that. Um, it, as, you, as you're probably aware, everything we have, just like I talked about that serving conversation before, everything we have comes from you guys. So we don't get um, money from the council or the government um, or some sort of grant. Uh, we don't get money from our network. We're part of a relational network, but we're, we're sort of autonomous financially. We just part, you know, we give to that, and we're part of that. But we don't receive sort of money from outside our community. Generally, it comes from you. Um, it comes from your amazing generosity, and it always just blows my mind that you guys do that. Like that is so cool, isn't it? Cool. It's so countercultural. Like we've had this before. Like when we're sitting down with people doing our budget stuff, and then our Christian, and they're like, what's this? And it's like, they're looking at your giving on your, on your money, and they're like, why are you doing that? Why are you giving to this church? Why are you giving to World Vision? Why are you giving to this thing? That makes no sense. You shouldn't give that money there. And I'm like, no, nah, that's really important. Like, we, we, we give to our church, and we give to these things because we want to be generous people. It's a, a core practice of, of, of being a disciple is being generous. And so... Yeah, so where we're at with our finances. Um, I said early in the year, it's, it, it, it's better, but it's, it's, it's not quite um, almost there. So what, what happened was at the start of the year, we, we weren't meeting our expenses each month, our budgeted expenses, which was 11700 And so I put a call out, and it was amazing. People lifted for that. And I can, I can report to you that um, our money for last month was $11,173.30. It all helps. So we can see there that it's, it's lifted. Like, it's actually gone up, and that's awesome. So I just want to say thank you, guys. That's amazing. It's so good. And, I, I, you know, I think that we're on the right track. Like, this is good. Let's, let's see it keep moving. But the reality is, is that um, life is expensive, right? <laughs> I think all of you know this, like you've got bills, you've got things to pay, and, and, it, and it's expensive. And so our, ex, our expenses, we're still not meeting it. And so what that means is that we've been kind of chewing into our balance. We've been chewing into our buffer. And um, that's not sustainable long term. Um, that can't just sort of keep going on. It needs to change. We need to see the giving. And uh, just some of the other things is, 
just thing, you know, is, 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 it, is that the money within our church gets spent on operating expenses. So that's things like um, we pay for the rent of this hall all week, and we use that hall over there, Girl Guides Hall, where the kids are right now. Um, we have to pay insurances. Um, you know, for the songs that you have on the screen, you have to pay for the rights for those, the coffee and tea, um, like anything you can imagine, communion, like all these things are like operating expenses that you have to pay, like in any business or organisation. They're just overheads that you have to pay. And then we pay, and then we also have like salaries. So I'm, I'm on uh, 20 hours a week and Amy's on 15. And so we, between us, we're almost like a full salary, but we give the rest of our time to the church as a step of faith. And so Lulu is our youth pastor and she gets paid a few hours a week too. And so that's where all the sort of money sort of goes if, if you're curious about what happens to money at, at church. But like I said before, it's, it's, not, it's not sustainable um, where we're at at the moment. And so we do need to see it lift. And, and I know this is a terrible time of year to ask for money. Uh, people got Christmases and things coming up. But I just want to put the need of the church out to you. We're, we're a family. It's all our responsibility. And it's actually not as surmountable as you think. If that difference between that amount we had last month, between what we need and what, we, what came in, if 20 people gave an extra $7 a week, we would meet that. That's just as a basic thing. I, I don't think that's insurmountable. I mean, a flat white almost costs that now. <laughs> Once a week, you know, like, so that these are, that we're not talking about one person has to carry the whole load of this thing. There's this economic principle that talks about, you know, that a rising tide lifts all boats. If we all contribute, it's going to lift us as a church for finances. Because the reality is, and this is why I'm talking about this, this message, is we don't want to just get by. Because hand to mouth is hard, right? Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. Trying to meet your expenses is hard. And like, I think we serve a God that wants to do more than that. And we're not flash Harrys. We're not, don't worry, I haven't got the Harley out the back or, you know. <laughs> we, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but there's so much we can't do because we haven't got kingdom resource, right? Like there's things you want to invest in and people and, and, and resources for youth and kids and discipleship and all these things, and without kingdom resource, you can't do that. What you get stuck doing is just paying the bills, and, and that's hard. And I think God's calling us to more than that. And so, I, first of all, would I just ask you, would you just pray about that for anything? Would, would you guys partner with us? If you're part of this church, would you pray to God, who has every resource, right? Every resource God has got that he would bless our church family and we would see him move in this space. And then, yeah, bring it before the Holy Spirit. Whether you give or you don't give, would you, would you prayerfully just give that before the Holy Spirit and, uh, and, just, and just see if there's an invitation from the Spirit there to be participate in that. So that we can actually do those things that God's calling us into next year and beyond. Like, I'm excited, guys. Like, what God's done in this space and over this time has been absolutely incredible. And I just love this community. I love you guys. This is the joy of my life doing this. And I, I just want to I just want to do everything that God's got for us as a community. Is that all right? Awesome. Why don't we stand?